Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Ray. And today I have a guest with me, Natalia Comas. And she is an intuitive business mentor, a creative light activator, a soul channel and a social entrepreneur. Natalia, so lovely to have you here with us today. So lovely to be here. Thank you, Sandra. And hello to all of your listeners. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with you because there's so much that I want to talk about your story. And I was actually chatting to my husband last night and I was saying that I was talking with you today and I explained a bit about you and your background. And even he was like, wow, that sounds so interesting. (laughs) Um, So tell us a little bit about you. I know that you grew up in Greece originally. Yes. So I'm half Greek on my dad's side and I grew up in Greece for all of my childhood really we um I was actually born in the UK and within I think a couple of months I was in living in Greece um with my family and I was there until full time until I was about 12 13 and then we moved to the UK um but spent every every school holiday in Greece my family was still there you know the business was still there we had our life there uh, and it wasn't really until I had the choice of well actually I don't want to be going back to Greece every holiday I want to do my own thing that um, you know that my life kind of shifted from Greece. Uh, It's a very interesting upbringing I as a child in Greece especially when I was you know when I was brought up there it was very, it was a very free environment. You know, we had fields all around us. We had goodness knows how many animals. I think we had up to 25 cats at one point and dogs and chickens and, you know, the lot. And I used to just go off into the fields all the time, every day. People didn't even know where I was most of the time. And and were you on your own or with friends? Oh yeah, on my own, on my own with the animals, you know, going around making dens, um, playing and running around in the field, pretending to be Xena warrior princess, freaking loved her as a child, still do obviously. And um, yeah, and it was just a really lovely free childhood. But as with many countries that especially that are, let's say from the more patriarchal societies, once you hit a certain age as a female, that freedom starts to disappear slowly. So when we moved to the UK, that was really one of the reasons that we did move because life just suddenly changes. And, you know, I saw all of my friends that were girls start to have much more controlled lives, have to lie to their family all the time about what they were doing. I think all of them have multiple Facebook accounts, (laughs) even now, you know, in their thirties. So very different lifestyle once you grow up. Um, Really lovely as a child, you know, and when we moved to the UK, we moved to, to Devon to the South, Southwest of the UK near the seaside so that there was still some kind of nature. And I didn't realize until very recently, the last few years, how, truly important nature was to me how important you know being in the trees and by the sea and in the fields how that whole thing that I experienced as a child 
was so important, so intrinsic to, to who I am and who I, you know, who I am in myself, but also on this earth. I remember I used to literally talk to the trees when I was a kid. Um, I used to, there was this one tree on this hill and I used to go and meet it every single day. Um, and I didn't think that was weird at all. <laughs> and, and did the trees talk back to you? I feel like they did. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to sit with the, this tree for hours. Because uh, I had a teacher and when he was younger, um, he used to talk to the trees but he could feel the energy about the trees and he used to like run in and out through the trees and he'd feel all their different energy. Oh, wow. And he was saying like, he was just like running around. He's like, Oh, this is brilliant. And everybody else is like, well, what are you talking about? What are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I ask if the trees talk back because even now I find when I go for a walk in the park or up the mountains, like, I love trees and I know some people are drawn to the water and I love the water mm. but there's something about trees that like I just have to get out and connect with them. Uh, I mean I remember just always going up and touching it and sitting there with the tree and really feeling so loved and grounded when I was there and I think that's why I used to go every day because I I was wanting that connection um and yeah and now that because I'm I'm an um, elemental energy healer so I work with the elements I work with the trees um well, I was and, going and to say that and you, all of that now you brought that into your work yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that later because I want to dive into that but I love that that upbringing and that you know being in nature was so pivotal to the way you're working today and that could easily have not been the case where you know you went and worked in an office or and I, there's nothing wrong with working in an office but and I did it for years um but I love that you bring it into your work and help other people so we're going to get back to that in a minute mm. but what I wanted to ask you was um when you were younger because I know you see spirit did you see spirit when you were out in nature or at that stage yes yeah, so I remember we um we had a house that was kind of two houses. There was a downstairs house and an upstairs house. And we always had to move out of the upstairs house to the downstairs house um, when it came to the summer, because we always rented the upstairs one out to people that would pay us money for it. Because <laughs> that was a nicer part of the house. So every six months we had to move houses from upstairs to downstairs. It was really annoying um, as a child, but it was kind of fun. And we had, I remember having this party downstairs and we had this big party and we invited loads of friends and upstairs was I think we were just moving at the time from upstairs to downstairs and I remember going upstairs no one was around and I didn't think anything of it I just went upstairs to get something and I saw this man there with a hat on and I was a little bit confused because I was like who's this man why is he in my house <laughs> And I just saw him going into my parents' bedroom. And I thought, mm, that's a little bit weird. And I just suddenly got really scared and ran away. And I went downstairs and I told my mum, I can't remember when, I not sure, don't think it was that night. I think I told her later on. And she said, what did he look like? And I explained that he had this hat on and blah, 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 blah. And, and that he went into her room. 
And she said, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I see him all the time in my room. And oh. she, she said that she, um, that he was, she thought it was the guy that owned the land before we built our house. Um, and his family, there was a huge hoo-ha about whose land it happens all the time in Greece, whose land it was. And the family all kind of argued about it before they sold it and all this jazz. So we think it's the man that owned the land prior and, and he was just sort of hanging around there. Um, and that's interesting. So your mom was seeing him as well. Yeah. Okay. So both me and my mom have the gift of sight and, um, and she's also a healer. And, um, and whenever, as I was growing up, as I was seeing all of these spirits, for me, it was quite scary because they weren't always very nice. So I used to tell her about it and together we'd try and, you know, we'd figure out what it was that they'd want and what, what was going on. And maybe there was clearing that needed to happen. And quite often I would end up places that in places that needed to be cleared. Um, and by that, I mean the energy needed to be cleared or the spirits needed to move on. And it was something where I'd get drawn there for whatever reason. And luckily had my mum to, to help me and support me through actually doing that when I wasn't quite aware of how to do it fully. Yeah, um, I was going to say that because yeah. having her support was, must have been amazing to know you could turn to her and ask her. And there's so many children, I think, who do have that gift of sight and their parents say you, you you haven't seen anything or they ignore it or they tell them that it was just a dream yeah and you know it, that's it's so um I suppose frustrating for the child when they and know scary as well but that's true really scary yeah yeah so that's great you had that support yeah and um and I remember when I went to uni so well actually prior to that we moved into this house um and there there was a girl that lived in the house of spirit and she was obsessed with me and I mean obsessed like she used to play tricks on me she used to get into my bed at night and um breathe into my ear when I was asleep like it was horrendous and, and what, um, age, what age was she she was probably a early teens at the at that point I was more I think I was about 16 17 18 she was probably more like 13 mm. um but there was a, a history there where um the more that we got to know her the more um we kind of realized that well actually she didn't have particularly nice um life when she lived in that house the house was it's an old Victorian house so it was um there was a maid's quarter and the attic, which was my bedroom, was where they would have lived. And so um, she loved hanging out in the attic with me, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> um, and you, sometimes you'd be outside in the garden and I'd literally see her walking up the stairs towards my room. And then you just think, mm, I don't really want to go to bed today. <laughs> What's she up to? Where is she yeah. going? And did you feel drawn to help her to transition or? I think at the time I was at that point where 
I was just frustrated that she existed to be honest Mm. I was just like I just want you to stop pestering me like stop doing these things to me because it's scary I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night with you breathing in my ear thank you (laughs) um and it really my mum dealt with that one quite a, a lot more than me um and then and I mean she's very because my mom still lives in that house and she, the the girl is very protective over the house so if there's people that she doesn't like who come into the house you know it things start to happen um <laughs> so she's still there she's still there she's okay. she's a happier a much happier about life and doesn't pester anyone as much um but she she definitely does things to the house if she doesn't like people that come in or if things are disturbed in a way that she's not happy about. Um, and when I went to uni, I had some crazy experiences in the halls in the first year that we lived in because they were there was a lot of history there in because I went to uni in Bath and it was the halls in the center of town um, and it was a really old building that had actually been bombed in the war and rebuilt and was had also prior been a um asylum so you can imagine oh my goodness <laughs> I did a lot of history there yeah um and I remember I actually had uh I actually loved my experience in Bath because my work so I I studied art and my work was so influenced by the experiences that I'd had there and what the, what the spirits were trying to tell me and where they were leading me. I mean, I uncovered quite a lot of history that I wouldn't have uncovered if it wasn't for them. You know, I, I'd learned about why the window tax had happened, how that was, how that had all worked out in Bath. There were, you know, hidden slave trade, children's slave trade behind these windows. Like there was so much that, um, I was guided to find out by the spirits and all of that influenced my work. So I ended up painting and creating sculptures and doing all sorts of things to tell those stories, really. Wow. Um, Did you find it overwhelming at all? Yes. Definitely. There was definitely times where it was overwhelming, especially when, you know, you're at uni, you're young, first year, you want to go out and party, uh, you have a few drinks. And and did you do anything to protect your energy? Yeah, I were, I did do a few different things. So, you know, I, I was always calling in my guides and, and my angels and um, I can't remember. I definitely would have had things like crystals and, you know, I burnt incense and all that kind of stuff, just things that would make me feel more settled and grounded and calm. Um, and yeah, and just really just ask them to leave ultimately, you know, and, and at times when that wasn't happening, I would, you know, asking them, what is it that you're actually wanting from here, this situation? And you I think your intuition obviously Mm. um, spoke to you and you were able to listen to that which is huge because I think intuition is such an important thing particularly when you are dealing with spirits like that Um, but I know you had a really um, powerful experience with your intuition in 2015 Mm. and your intuition saved your life basically is that right definitely Um, so I was 
working in the pool I'd been doing some work in the pool and um uh, I mean I love Nepal it's one of my favorite places in the world it's definitely somewhere with, that I've had a past life and it just feels like home it's insane um and I was had been working there with these um other guys like I'd done work previously there um but I'd gone for a different project this time and I was working with these guys and just everything that was going on would just felt wrong. It just didn't feel like I, I was in the right place. And it was really hard because actually it was quite a manipulative environment. And it was really hard for me to say no and to walk away and to go on my own and do something that I wanted to do. Um, and it got to the point where I, so we, just to give you a bit of background, we were working with these mountaineers who are actually record-breaking um, Nepali mountaineers who had, you know, summited Everest 12, 13 times, which is insane. Um, and we were helping them with their projects and what they were doing. Um, and, you know, we, we, they were working on a project to get internet to Everest and all this stuff. Um, and I remember trying so hard to get a lot of the ethical stuff in there because I was like, do we want to bring internet to Everest though? <laughs> like, is this really a thing? Um, and, you know, I'm going over it. And then there was this whole hoo-ha of us all needing to be actually going with them to Everest, like going and summiting and not summiting to the top, but like at least going to the camps. Um, and... I just, I literally broke down in tears. Like I had such a strong reaction to this. And I just said, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm just not coming with you. There's no way I'm doing it. Which was a shock to everybody because prior to that, you know, I, I had a company called I Am Adventures. It was a travel adventure, creative travel company, um, which was all about doing that kind of stuff. So I had a quite a lot of backlash you know uh, basically saying well you're not who you are then and you know why why do you go on about adventure when you you don't you know you can't even go to base camp of Everest like how ridiculous is that and you know a lot of belittling as well because I was one of the only women in fact the only woman at the time uh, and I just thought you know I don't care like there's something not this is not going to work for me <laughs> like I'm not going and I packed my bags and I got, I walked, you know, if anyone's ever been to Nepal or Asia or anywhere like that, you know, that it's not necessarily that easy to get from somewhere in the middle of nowhere to get a taxi. So shoved all my bags, stuffed my bags, grabbed them, you know, I'm going down this road and I get in a taxi and it cost me a fortune because it was the only taxi around. <laughs> And, and I move and I go to a different part of Nepal where I knew people and I started a different project. And within a few days, I can't remember, I think it might've been just over a week. And my partner decided to come over. Um, and I think it was literally, my birthday was at the same time. And we decided to like make something of it. Um, and we he came over we decided to get married um in the Nepali ways like in with with a, it was basically a marriage blessing in one of the temples which was not 
planned at all. And the next day was when the earthquake happened. Now, we were in a place called Patan, which is quite an old part of Nepal. It's very, um, very old, lots of old buildings, not very well-made buildings. And we just come out of our huge tower block of a, of a building that we were living in. And when I say huge tower block, I don't mean the kind of tower blocks that we see here. I mean, you know, three stories of this building. Um, and Chris, I remember Chris being in the ATM and trying to get money out. And I was outside and this street was, you know, two meters wide with small buildings either side and the earthquake happened. And I suddenly realized what it was. What was I? No, I was in the ATM and Chris was outside. And I, and I was trying to get this money out and it wasn't working. And I just suddenly had this feeling that something bad was going to happen. And I came out of the ATM and I looked at Chris and I just sort of, we just stared at each other. And then suddenly the earthquake started. And, um, and I thought, oh my God, because I'm, you know, I was, because I was brought up in Greece and Zakynthos, we had earthquakes all the time there. So I knew what to do. I knew, you know, you, you're literally trained from the age of like three of what to do in an earthquake. But of course, there, there's a lot of other precautions, like the buildings are built to withstand earthquakes. In Nepal, that's not the case. <laughs> so I'm just standing in the middle of this tiny street thinking, oh my God, these buildings are going to fall on our head and just constantly looking up, thinking which one's going to go first. And um, and the temples in front of us fell, the temples behind us fell. There was literally one way out and it was through this one even smaller street to get to an opening. And we were just, I was just waiting and waiting and waiting until the moment where I felt like it was the right moment to run. And, and just at that moment, it kind of calmed down. We ran, got through to the other side and it, and it started again. And um, at that point, so that day was when the guys that I'd been working with got to base camp. So half of them died at base camp that day. Wow, so obviously, you were guided not yeah. to go yeah yeah and and be at the you know somewhere like literally if I'd been a few meters behind or a few meters in front you know I could have been crushed by the temples um so I was very you know very much in like luckily in the right place at the right time and um yeah the guys that uh, their story goes on actually because the guys that I would swear, especially the two main guys, um, one of them had to literally dig people out, like get people out of the avalanche because there was an avalanche, which is what killed everybody or a lot of the people. And then a few days later during the aftershocks, they got crushed again on, uh, when the building that we were staying in during that time collapsed. So, you know, like it was insane. And, um, and then one of the other guys went back a few years ago and tried and actually summited Everest and on his way down, he died. So it was like all these people have died regardless of this time, you know, like it was, it was a really strange scenario. 
And um, it must have been such a tough decision for you to walk away from that when everybody was like, come on, you're into adventure. You're meant to be like the one who's like, you know, doing all these adventurous things and to have yeah. to walk away. And also to be the only woman there to doing that. You know, it felt like I was um, failing women. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, well, you're obviously not that strong or you're not this or you're not that. And there was so much manipulation there as well um, on a psychological level. Um, and as well, like I felt bad leaving the project because I did love it. I loved what we were doing. And I felt like it was my responsibility to try and steer it in the right direction. Um, but ultimately sometimes you just have to go with your gut. And I think when you have such a strong physical reaction to something as well, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, and I want to um, touch on that because I love going into the difference between like that strong like fear reaction where you were crying and you're like no I don't want to do it but there's also times where there's stuff that we have that strong physical reaction to um but it's the very thing it's the fear that we need to conquer um mm. so how do you tell the difference between the two oh gosh okay so I can give you an example of that actually so when I um when I moved to Spain a few years ago, we we just got this lovely flat in, in the UK, in Bristol. It was a really lovely flat. I was really happy in it. But I had this message to move to Spain. And it was just sudden, it was just one day suddenly. And I thought, this is so weird. And I rang my partner and I said, what do you think about moving to Spain? Never in a million years thinking he would say yes because he had a full-time job, you know, it was it was just not a thing. And he literally just turned around and said yes. And I thought, oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> and then for the next two months, I was freaking the heck out. I was like, what are we doing? Why are we moving to Spain? We've just got this amazing flat. We've got our life here. This is this is going to be horrendous. What if this turns out like every other time that I've gone somewhere because every other time there has been some kind of natural disaster or I've had to clear loads of energy or, you know, I've had to put my life on the line or, you know, it's not always worked out well. Let's put it that way. And I was scared. I was really scared to do it. And I didn't want to. A huge part of me didn't want to do it. And I was resisting it so much. Um, but the fact that it all just happened, you know, like everything had fallen into place so easily. And I just had to keep reminding myself of that, of if it's meant to be, then it's this is how it's meant to be. It's meant to be in flow maybe it is scary and maybe I just need to trust that it's going to work out fine um, and that it is for my high skin. And I just kept saying, I don't want another natural disaster, okay? I don't want another thing to happen. I just want a nice time. <laughs> like, I want to go there for me. I don't want to go there for everyone else. You know, like um, that was think... something that was really important for me because I was fed up of having to sort everything else out and I just yeah. wanted to 
do my own thing for a bit. The fact that you said, though, that despite the fear, everything was falling into place and it was coming together and it was seeming to flow. I think that's always a clear indication that you're on the right track because there is that resistance in your head or that fear in your head. But everything's coming together. The universe is like lining things up. And it's like, okay, I think when there's like obstacles placed in your path and when you're like trying to force something and you keep having obstacle after obstacle, then it's like, okay, universe, what are you telling me here? Is this not the right way? And when things fall into place, you're like, okay, I keep going with this. And you know that that's kind of the universe helping you. Definitely. And actually, just before I flew to Nepal that time, I remember having that same fear prior and it took me ages to book my flights. I was literally having pretty much panic attacks booking the flights and, and it kept going wrong. I kept, the flights kept not being there and like, it was all a huge mess. And I was, I was freaking out. Like I could not press this button. And, um, and it, I think it was because of the other people that I did it in the end, because they were pushing me to, to get it. Um, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would have done it. Mm. Um, and I think we, we learn from these experiences as mm, well. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you learn to listen to, you know, what, what is your intuition and what, when are you getting pushed or pulled in direction because of others? Mm. And, and it's easy, you know, it is quite easy to, to be um, pulled somewhere where you don't actually want to go in, you know, in your heart of hearts and you do things because you think that you should, or because other people are saying so, or because, you know, or, or money or whatever, like all of these other external factors and you ignore your own um, messaging, your own intuition, your own signals um, and pretend that they're not there or pretend that they're not valid or they're not, you know, they trick your trick yourself into thinking that it's something else. Ultimately though, you do know. And yeah. And you you do tend to f- to know the signs as well. And I have a story about that. When I was younger, I had just finished school and um I wanted to go to France um with my friend for the summer and I think I was only maybe 17 or 18 and my parents were like look I don't think it's a good idea you know you're going on your own um it's a big city I was going to Paris and they're like it's a big city you've never lived in a big city like that and they basically gave me all the reasons not to go mm. and my mother said that I turned around and said okay I'll think about it and a couple of days later I came back and I said so I've thought about all the things you said and I'm going. Yeah, I'm going anyway. So, <laughs> and the same when I started, you know, a business as a healer and started, you know, I was in a corporate job and it was like a secure salary and I was doing very well. And I remember my mother saying, you know, you've got it really good. I don't think you should give all that up to become a healer and you know it just maybe do it on the side and I was like I just have to you know and I knew in my head the things that she was saying made sense but another part of me was like no I have to do this so I think when we as you said when you have people pushing you sometimes you have to go with what they say to realize 
oh no, that was the wrong decision. And then sometimes you have to push back and say, okay, I'm going to go with my gut on this. Um, you talked about the divine feminine and um, I want to get into that a little bit because mm. I know that this rise of the divine feminine, um, especially in business and us as healers and teachers, we're bringing this energy forward. Um, and can you talk a bit about that and how you work with it? Yeah, and I think a lot of what we've discussed today comes back to that, actually. You know, it comes back to listening to intuition, go, you know, following that flow, following what feels right as opposed to um, constantly doing and acting and pushing. And, you know, we've been so we've been taught to do, to, to do, to, to go and to um, live in that more masculine energy. But actually what we've done because of that is we've, we're, we've ended up living in an imbalanced masculine energy and not really understanding what it's like to, to be in, in the divine masculine and in the divine feminine and what that's like when we have the two in balance. And, you know, when we're talking about masculine and feminine, just for your listeners, we're not talking about gender. We're talking about the energy that's within all of us. We all have masculine and feminine energy. Um, and the way that, you know, because I work a lot with the elements, like we were talking about, um, I always think of the masculine as this more fiery energy and the feminine as this more watery energy. And when you start to think about it in terms of the elements, you can really see the difference of fire is this creative force, this transformation, this, you know, very much, um, much more activating energy. Whereas water and the feminine is this intuitive, flowing, nurturing um you know, very, very um, peaceful energy, but both powerful in their own ways. You know, water can be sometimes even more powerful than fire, right? And, and fire equally can, you know, go and ravage whatever it wants. But they have such, um, you know, they're very different, but they both do quite similar things in terms of creating and transforming and changing um, and what we don't what we forget is that just because you're in the feminine and you're in the flow and you're pausing and you're slowing down and you're reflecting and you're listening to your intuition doesn't mean that you don't know what you want it doesn't mean that you're not going to take action and it certainly doesn't mean that you don't know um you know, how to be in your power. Actually, it means the complete opposite because you have reflected and you are listening to your intuition and you are listening to your own sacred power. You know, all the things that we talked about today, that that was, well, actually, I'm I'm going to connect with my divine feminine force and I'm going to understand my essence and not be defined by external factors and um, not let this um, idea of needing to constantly be doing to influence who I am and what I want. And equally in the, in the divine masculine, it's, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to let ego influence who I am and what I want. I'm not going to let control, the fear of control or the need for control 
to influence what I'm going to do and who gets a say in that. Um, I'm not going to just take any action. I'm going to take aligned action because I've paused to reflect on what that looks like and what that means for me. And yeah. you start to see then how the two are connected and how that's connected to not just how we live our life, but you know how we create our business, how we run our business, what it means to us, what it means to our clients um, and how we can start to change the world through that process. And I think it's so important, as you say, to have that balance um, because most people have uh dominance of one or the other and when one or the other is dominant then there's this imbalance so if it's the feminine that's dominant obviously we have that beautiful intuition and the flow but maybe we don't take the action steps we need towards getting things done and equally if the masculine is um you know more strong then maybe we're taking loads of action steps but it's not aligned or it's not, um, you know, in our highest good. So when they're actually balanced and, you know, that can be, that balancing act can be from moment to moment, from day to day. Um, it's not as if you're in balance and that's it. It's something that we work towards. It's like, what I like to do is when I tune into my intuition and then I'm like, okay, so what action steps do I need to take? And then if I find that I'm like going ahead or running away with myself, I kind of pull back and say, okay, well, maybe I'll sit down and I'll just, you know, meditate on this, see if this is actually still where I need to be going. Um, so I know you work with this in business. Sorry, do you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was going to say that um, the way that I do it actually is I make sure, cause I'm, you know, I have a lot of um, masculine energy. I, I have a lot of Capricorn in my chart. I'm very much a workaholic. Uh, so I have to remind myself to slow down and to, and that that's okay. And, you know, I've learned that through the years. And, um, and now the moment that I realize I'm tired or that I'm not being proactive or I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm actually just not being very productive in what I'm doing. I might be doing a lot, but that a lot isn't creating real results. I step away and I get into my flow. You know, yesterday I had a bath in the middle of the day because I was just like, well, I just need, <laughs> I just need a bath. And <laughs> that's okay. Out. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think we've got to remember that it's okay to do things in the way that feel right to us in that moment, day by day, exactly like you say. And actually, one of the things that I've been talking about lately um, and actually I do have this as a freebie just I don't know if that's something that um, we can offer your listeners later but it's um, talking about how each day has its own energy and each day actually has more masculine or more feminine energy and when we start to understand how nature works and how our our earth works and our planet and our our whole our whole system our whole solar system we can work with that and so let's say it's a more masculine day you harness that energy you go with that energy you do more masculine things so that it comes naturally to you you're not fighting against the current you're going with it but remembering that if at some point during that day you're feeling more tired 
then it's okay to take a step back. And on the more feminine days, you're spending the day being creative, you know, self-care, going out in nature, doing things that are going to revive that energy, doing things that are going to help you to slow down, to listen to your intuition. And if at some point you have, you know, some kind of inspiration hit and you want to do something about it, great, go and do that. But your, you know, your the balance isn't always, I'm always in my feminine and masculine. It's knowing how to harness the the two at the right time for you it sounds like a bit of a dance where one steps forward the other steps back and then it's kind of this harmony of flow where they're kind of intermingling and flowing with and through each other definitely I love that I love that um visualization there yeah and I, I can totally relate because I have that kind of predominance of masculine energy as well. And the fact that I love my work, I yeah. could just work like all day. And I um, we were homeschooling recently with lockdown and um, my kids um, had they were given this thing to draw. And I sat down with them and I was like, OK, I'll draw this as well. And I love just sitting and drawing and I'm not artistic. Um, I wouldn't call myself artistic. I have other members of my family who are, um, but I love just sitting and being in that creative mode. And for me, that comes through sometimes by creating an Instagram post Mm. where it's like all the creative aspects to it are like this artistic kind of expression. And it's, you know, it comes through in various different ways. Definitely. And actually, I always talk about my art as my healing. It's my way of self-healing and of just cutting off. It's it's my way of stop thinking, stop being in logic brain, just being slow. Just Mm. let it all out. You know, you're not thinking about things. You're not worrying about anything. You're just being completely in the moment. And for some people that's singing or dancing or swimming or running, you know, whatever it might be, but finding that thing that helps you to just be in complete flow is, is the key for Mm -hmm. sure. And having that way of um, disconnecting from everything else and connecting to yourself. Absolutely. And the three things that I find for me, are meditation, walking in nature and yoga. I find that they bring me into that flow and take me out of that kind of masculine energy when I need to just kind of rebalance. Um, I want to go full circle because at the start we were talking about nature and you know your youth in like the fields and now I know you work with the elements um, in your business and I'd love to talk a little bit about that. How does that work? Yes. So, um, so I'm an elemental energy healer. Um, I was actually tuned to Reiki when I was 16. Um, so I, and I've always naturally been a healer. So that's always something that's been a part of my life. I remember being at school and, um, healing like my friends and doing palm readings and all sorts of crazy stuff. And, um, and so it was quite a natural thing for me to, start to embody that more and more and actually it was quite hard for me to do because I was scared to bring that out into the world right even though that was very much who I've always been um and I was brought up in very much a spiritual environment 
it was hard for me to accept that as part of my business um, for a long time. And it wasn't until I I moved more into my connection to, to nature and, um, and became certified in elemental healing that I realized this is, this is really important to me. And this is something that can help my business and help my clients. And we, I can integrate it in a really um, natural way. And when I started to embrace that more and to talk about it more, I realized how much it all integrated into what I was already doing so you know I was my main work is about helping people discover and activate their soul mission and help them to connect with that help them to connect to their own power so that they can listen to their own intuition listen to their soul and and know what it is that they want to do know what business they want to create so you know one of the key things when activating that is activating that masculine feminine energy understanding it but importantly it's activating and connecting to the elements because what I truly truly believe is that we are on earth to be on earth and one of the things that I used to struggle with when it came to the more spiritual aspects of you know of, of that whole niche is this connecting to spirit going off into the clouds going somewhere else and actually you know, and maybe that's partly because I have got a bit more masculine energy in me, you know, it's for me, it's bringing that all into our physical reality. It's harnessing all of that ancient wisdom and that power to be on earth and to live this life on earth. Um, And I really have such a strong connection to the earth and to mother earth. And I think that, you know, she wants us to do that she wants us to bring our true essence here and to help her and to help each other and there's so much magic around us I was watching a program yesterday funnily enough about um Harry Potter hilariously and uh it was a documentary about her about all these different things that had been in Harry Potter and JK Rowling was talking about all of these different aspects and and they were looking at all of the ancient um all these ancient manuscripts and symbols and signs and you know all the myths and legends and it just dawned on me how so many cultures and all cultures and societies around the world for thousands and thousands of years have believed in magic you know they've believed in fairies and dragons and giants and um, that the trees have power, that the flowers have power, and, and we have all of this wisdom, and we've been taught to dismiss it for so many years. Yeah. You know, and there's a reason why so many cultures believed in it at some point, and I feel like we're slowly coming back to that now. The elements have woken up. The dragons have woken up. The trees have certainly woken up and are asking for our help. Um, I feel like the earth is talking to us again and asking us to remember. And, and that is something that, you know, I, I'm so passionate about creating the, a better place for, for the next generation and making sure that the earth is, um, is happy and that we're happy living on the earth. And when I 
you know, when I started to create, to help people create businesses. And when I was creating businesses, that was something that was really important to me. So opening up to the elements and to creating a better world is something that the, my soul clients want. They want to create businesses that make a difference in some way. So when we're activating those elements, we're activating not just themselves and their own soul and their own body, but their connection to the earth so that they can create these conscious businesses that harness their gifts, um, you know, and, and, and bring that awaken that energy more so there's a few things I want to go into here um I want to go into the elementals a bit more but um I love that you touched on that making of Harry Potter because I think the media has such an important role to play and it's really because I was watching a movie with my kids and it was called it was by an Irish um production house and it was called The Secret of Kells and I love it did you see it yeah it, you know okay so something I haven't actually explained is that I'm part Irish so <laughs> Greek oh, really? and Irish yeah <laughs> so I'm Brilliant. fully on board <laughs> great I love it but that movie I just I, and I've watched a few others um that that same studio has done but I love how they bring that magic into it. You know, it's all about the Book of the Kells and its origin, but the magic of nature. And I think that's such an important role to play. People are kind of, and especially children, mm. when children are watching this. And like my kids will go outside and you talked about like building dens and stuff. They'll like build dens for hours, but they'll talk about, you know, the angels and they'll talk about um, how they feel like the energy of the wind. And my son um, says that he can control the wind and, you know, all these things. (laughs) But when you talk about the elementals, for me, Mm -hmm. elementals are like, nature spirits yeah are you relating to that or is it the elements of earth air fire water or is it all of the above it's all of that yeah Mm. so it's all of that so um so it is the element so five elements air water fire earth and spirit and in Mm. greek we call it ether yes um and then the elementals within each element so you know in earth you have the um the trees and the giants and um the fairies and all of those more earthly um elementals and then divas yeah exactly and um and in the fire elements you have the the fire dragons and the salamanders um and the phoenix and with water you have the mermaids and the um the silks and the sylphs and um and with uh what have I not said spirit unicorns um and I always air yeah and air you have the more um the the sylphs that are in the sky and um the The I actually find I mean yeah of course the wind but I also find that um because I'm very very connected to the animal kingdom and um the animals always come into play as well so the birds always come in when there's the air as well and you know and with with the air element you actually have the different winds so um in in greek in greece we have um the north wind the south wind the east wind and the west wind and they all have different properties and you know when we when i connect the elements to business so i have um, a whole system which is called elemental business design 
And when we connect the elements to, to how we create and, and activate our soul mission and our businesses, we look at what the, um, what the attributes of, of the elements are and what they teach us and what they activate within us. So with the earth element, it's very much about grounding, but it's also about building those foundations, you know, creating the systems that you need in place so that you can build your business so that you can um, do everything that you need to do above that, right? So when we're looking at, for example, our chakras, the earth element is connected to our base chakra because it's that first step. It's the ground that you need in order to start building on. Um, but it's also healing everything that's come before. So healing all of the childhood stuff, you know, um, making sure that you've got a, a good foundation and that it isn't on shaky ground, that you haven't got a lot of um, unresolved stuff that you haven't dealt with yet. Um, and then, you know, the next one would be um, water, which was is much more about connecting with the feminine energy, the flow, making sure that you're connecting to your intuition so that you know what you want to do, uh, making sure you're connecting to your soul and, and um, able to start to feel, see and, and hear things, um, making sure you know how to stop so that you're not constantly just going, you know, like blind almost and just just doing stuff for the sake of it um and and also listening to your to your clients as well a really big one you know when when we talk about the, that water element it's um if, we, if you were to look at astrology the water element is you know cancer it's that community nurturing connecting with others understanding others um, making sure that you're sensitive to what they need. And that's very much about yourself, you know, mothering yourself, but also making sure you're looking after your people. Um, and then you've got uh, what up, fire, which is about the action, the creation, taking aligned action, you know, creating those services and putting them out there, starting to... Um, see what it is that you are actually wanting to do and how that looks much more um going for it right it's much more is that again in astrology you'd be looking at the aries the the kind of the risks taker the the leader the the person who isn't scared to take that first step and leo who isn't afraid to be on the stage and to be seen as that leader um, and then you've got spirit and spirit in the chakras is all of the upper chakras. So it's the, it's the voice, you know, it's your throat chakra, it's your third eye and it's your crown. So it's all of those things that are starting to connect you to, to um, showing up as who you truly are, to being the teacher, to um, being that person who isn't afraid to speak up for what they believe in, isn't afraid to, um, to, to be who they are publicly you know come out of the shadows step out of the closet do what it do what needs to be done which I think so many healers struggle with often and not even healers yeah. but women and um, people who are entrepreneurs um, even though they know they have something to share and it's valuable it's that fear of being seen and showing yeah. up which is huge so yeah Definitely. that's so important 
and connecting to that you know one of the things that I'm truly passionate about is um, enabling people to be their own master teachers right so that you're not constantly following the next guru you're you're you are your own guru you are the person who knows yourself fully and truly and you have something to share you know we all have something to share and to teach and the people that we naturally attract they're the people that we can help and they're in turn are going to help us and it's always that give and take there is always that balance and you know our, our soul clients are there to teach us something just as much as we're there to teach them something. But, Absolutely. It, but we have to step into that role of, I am willing to be that teacher to do that hmm. and to it, learn ourselves. And it's like you talked about that balance of the masculine and feminine. It's that give and take and it's a union. It's not just I'm the teacher and you know, you're the student. Um, and I find that with my children as well, mm. that they teach me so much. And often, um, like if I am trying to rush out someplace, like my son will turn around and say, um, you know, just breathe, just take a deep breath. <laughs> and I'm always telling him that, but I love that he can turn around and say that to me as well. Oh, I um, so I love all of this. I mean, I think it's so needed. And the fact that you're bringing all this in and I suppose normalizing working with the elements in business, which I think is amazing. Um, I think, you know, I think that it's really interesting because over the last, I would say, two years, um, we've become so um, more aware of the elements, you know, in the mainstream. Like I've noticed so many, so many films like the one that you talk about where they're using the elements, you know, even the, the Frozen, the, the the second one um, was all about the elements. Like there was, mm. there's so many new programs coming out that is using the idea of the elements. And I don't think that's coincidental. I genuinely think that that's because they're, they're waking up. They want us to be aware of them. They want us to be able to connect with them again and to and to work together, the, ele- the elementals are so lovely they really want us to work with them they want to help us you know and um, and they have so much to share we all have elemental guides we just need to open up to to working with them well if people would like to contact you where is the best place to go how do they get in touch with you Yes. So my website is www.nataliacommerce.com and and you can literally just put my name in anywhere and I will come up. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Natalia Commerce. Um, I have a Facebook group called Humans on a Mission as well, where I talk about this kind of stuff and show up so you can join that. Um, But yeah, you just, just search my name and you'll find me. Brilliant. And we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, It's been such a wonderful conversation. I just admire so much the work that you're doing. And it's been such a pleasure learning from you and chatting with you. Thank you so much, Natalia. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story, Sandra, and to talk about this stuff because we don't always get to talk about it so openly. So thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week for another episode of the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. See you then. Bye-bye.